Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. All right, welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. We took a little bit of a break from our previously scheduled podcast episodes. Uh, In light of recent events, we have seen many people need to transition to remote work, and that can be a difficult transition, especially when it's put on you last minute. So we wanted to put together some resources that could be really helpful to help you narrow down some systems that can help you, as well as some processes that can help get yourself and a team up and running in a remote environment uh, in the most efficient way possible. We encourage you to share this with as many people as you think could be benefit from this as well, because it can be kind of a, a hard thing to face if you don't know where you're going and you're starting from square one. Our company, as you may know, has operated remotely since its inception in 2015, Uh, So we are a pretty well-oiled machine here at PJS and Co. CPAs, and we just want to share that information in an effort to help ease the pain. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at info at pjscpas.com, or you can give us a call by phone at 844-475-7272. But we're just going to dive right into the topic today. Uh, We have with us Jamie Staley co-owner and CPA of PJS and co-CPAs. Hi, Megan. And we also have Kim Nixon, our operations manager, back with us today. Hi. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. So I know we're kind of watching the world change very swiftly (laughs) before our eyes. Um, And no one has toilet paper and... (laughs) The world's just kind of crazy right now. Or bread. Bread is out everywhere. Bread. Meat's slowly disappearing. It's just kind of a a bizarre world that we're living in. So how's it going at your houses? Uh, It's a little nuts. One of my friends uh, put out a photograph. It was like a screenshot from The Shining of the family in the car on the way to the hotel and you know, a couple of weeks alone with the family, what could happen? And that's kind of what it feels like around here. We've never been cooped up in the same house, unable to go anywhere. So uh, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see if we all survive this. <laughs> yes, it's uh, definitely a different, you know, different type of situation. I mean, usually when we're home with the whole family, there's, you know, holidays or it's vacation time. So you have, you know, you may have a day here and there that you're not really doing much, but mostly you're getting ready for something or doing something. So yeah, I mean, this morning was rough. This was our first day that all four of us are here. And you know, my husband and I are trying to work, we're trying to have the kids do a little bit of schoolwork, they're fighting, they're arguing, you know, so it's definitely gonna be a little bit of adjusting to get to a new normal where we can all get done what we need to get done and, you know, also try to put in some extra time to have fun with each other. We took a walk this morning, so that was kind of nice and don't usually do that. So trying to get them on some kind of routine or schedule so that we're not just, what do I do now? What do I do now? Which will make for very long days. Right. Well, and that's why we wanted to put together this podcast episode, because we know there's a lot of challenges that people are facing, not only, you know, worried about their health, but in you know small business, if you're being required to stay home, if it's an office job, there's there's a way that we saw that we could kind of step in and help ease that pain. So we put together this list of resources that we wanted to talk about, and we kind of broke it up into two sections of software and then processes. So let's jump right into the software because we want to get people up and running as quickly as possible. Um, <laughs> And we threw this warning in here. Uh, These systems are pretty user-friendly and you may not want to go back to the office ever. So we want to give you that warning because once we get you (laughs) up and running, you may just love it so much that you cancel your lease. But (laughs) (laughs) so So true. true. 
<laughs> so meetings are a big part of office life. You know, there's lots of memes that go around about meetings and that meeting could have been done in an email and all that. So hopefully we can cut down meetings just period in general in the office life of many of you via email. But there are some things that you need to have meetings for. And so let's talk about a few of the systems that we utilize here at PJS and Co. Um, to give people some resources. Well, my favorite is GoToMeeting. And I really like it because I, especially because I do a lot of training and when I'm meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, I can record what I'm going over on the screen. We can see each other face-to-face -face and be talking on the phone at the same time. I really like the fact that we can meet face-to-face. -face. I can be sharing documents or a video on screen when I'm training the team or when we're doing our team calls and we want to share something with the team, we can post that. Um, and all of us will be looking at the same thing, just like in a regular meeting environment. And we can also have multiple faces. You know, we may have 10 people in one call and we can see everyone's faces on screen at the same time. So even though we're in 10 different locations. Yeah, I really love GoToMeeting as well. I think that's the one that, you know, we've been using the longest. Um, I know I used to use join.me when working with clients a lot as well. So this is also a great tool if you are needing to work with a client and you're not in you know the same room with them to go over a presentation, you can share your screen, you can walk through a PowerPoint, you can walk through Google Slides, you can still have that interaction with your client so that, again, you can see their face, you can show them what you're walking through, and it's really helpful to be looking at the same thing. Um, one challenge you have is when people try to pull something up, they may be looking at one, you know, area, you're looking at something else, and you're not really exactly sure if you're looking at the same, you know, piece of information. So it's a really great tool to work with clients, you can review financial statements with them, you can review proposals, you can review documents, um, any kind of, you know, item that you might need to review with your client, or with um, another person is a great um, way to do so. And there's also, so one thing about GoToMeeting, I do not believe there's a free version of GoToMeeting at all. No, I believe, and it is expensive too. And it's a little bit more expensive. Zoom, yeah. has, Zoom has a free version and also a paid version. So you can just compare the, the features and see what is needed for your business. Um, and Join.me previously was free um, and I believe now has some paid versions. So you just right. want to take a look at those different options and see what features you need and make the best decision for you. Although they are somewhat expensive, they are relatively affordable, all of them, I would I would say. Yes. And it also depends if, you, if you're just going to have meetings one to one, uh, you can definitely find free versions out there. But when you want to have multiple people involved, and you want to be able to have multiple people present and be the presenter and pass the presenter role around you and, and have them all show their faces on screen, you're probably going to have to pay you're probably gonna have to pay for it. It's harder to find a free version that has all of those features. Yeah. And I would just add to Zoom. I, I actually really love Zoom. And I've used that in multiple um, learning situations too, like online courses and things. And they have, I, I believe GoToMeeting actually has this functionality too, but there's a whiteboard functionality. So if you're trying to teach somebody something, um, I know a lot of teachers are in that position too right now. Zoom also has that. So not only, you know, keyboard and mouse control and things like that, you can, it, it breaks down the barriers, right, of being in two different locations. It feels more like you're sitting right across from the person because you can have that webcam and, and all those things. The next software that we want to tackle is project management. So can you chat a little bit about those tools? I absolutely love Trello. It's probably my favorite software program that I work on right now. And I'm such a huge list maker. And you can, it's almost if you have a bunch of note cards in front of you and you're writing on the note cards and then you're taping lists of notes to those cards and then you're rearranging them on your wall and you're arranging the priorities and, and you can do all of those things virtually. And it's also attached to your email. There's a widget you can attach to email. So you can, if you get an email with a task in it, you can just forward that to your Trello account and it will automatically create a card for you. And then you can go in there and copy cards and set things up. And it, I love how easy it is to prioritize my tasks. And when I'm done with them, I can archive them. And then if I need to go back and find something that I took care of, I can look for that. And it is, there's a free version of that. I think you have to have 
uh, teams under 10 people. If you ha- Once you get above that threshold, you have to pay for it, but it works great. Uh, we also collaborate a lot with, we have uh, a board for our billing team, a Trello board, and, and we'll all, everybody who does billing or works on the accounting side of things for the PJS itself rather than its clients. We, we share checklists and resources and reference items in there. So that's a, a great way to manage things digitally. And also if you have tasks for month end or any other checklist that you have to do, you can keep a checklist in there, you know, and if it's the same checklist every month, you can just create copy this month's card and then put next month's name on it and have the exact same checklist over and over again and, and add to it and update it as you need to. So that's that's probably my favorite software that we use right now. I love Trello too. Um, I use it in a different ways than Kim does. But um, one of my productivity hacks that I picked up along the way and listened to some other podcasts or reading other articles um, is creating an actual checklist that contains what I'm going to do each day. So I create a checklist so that I have an idea of what I'm going to do that helps me stay efficient on task, um, you know, it, after using it for a little while, you also get a sense for how much you can actually get done in a day. <laughs> so you can become a little bit more realistic and you don't put 12 things on the list. And when you realize you can only get through three or four a day, you, you know, you get a little bit better feel for how to manage your day. So it helps in productivity as well. And so the checklist feature within Trello is great. And I also, we have created an internal resource board as well. So for our team, it's not so much of a website, you know, like an internal website for the team, but it is a place they can go when they need information. Almost all of the information they need can be found on our resource Trello board. Um, and you can control who can see which board. So you can have private boards that are just for the leadership team that nobody else can see, which we do use for our management um, of the company. And we have weekly meetings. So we have our agendas there, which nobody else can see. But you can have, you know, everybody has access to the resource board. So they can find that information without having to necessarily call someone up if they can't get a hold of someone. And that's a great tool. I know we just brought somebody new on and they are loving the resource board, copying all kinds of things over to their board. So it's a really great tool to kind of keep everybody on the same page as well. I really like too, Jamie, how we use, uh, we have our leadership calls every week. And there's four of us that meet weekly um, from the leadership team. And any one of the four of us, when we want to add things to our agenda for next week's call, we just pop in the Trello board for the uh, admin team and update the agenda and add things to it as they come up. We don't have to be emailing someone and they have to update it for us. Any one of us can go in there and add things to the agenda. So it, it definitely adds to our efficiencies as well. That's yeah. great. And I did find a really good tutorial that I loved on YouTube that we're going to link to in our show notes for this episode as well. And we're also going to link to a couple other tools that we don't use within our own firm, but I've heard people rave about Asana um, at a few of my previous companies. They love Asana. Um, And then I've heard some good things about Monday.com. And I actually back, you know, probably seven years ago, used to use Basecamp and really liked it. So we just wanted to link to a couple different resources for you when it comes to project management and collaboration tools that can ease that um, challenge of trying to collaborate when you're all in different spots. So next, we're going to tackle team communication. Sure. Yeah, my husband works at a bigger company, a consulting firm, and they use Slack a lot and still do um, to be able to communicate. Um, They have lots of different groupings of teams so they can create different channels as they're called. So they can have certain people involved in certain channels. So if they're working on a project, it's a great way for them to communicate. They can share documentation. Um, they can, you know, reach out to each other, you know, not interrupting them by, phone, you know, picking up the phone and calling them or texting them or whatever. And they know they're available. Um, they're trained to like put whether they're available or not. There's different ways you can do that in the corner. So people know if you're around. Um, we here at PJS are using it a little bit more for fun. Um, and we share pictures of our kids, vacation um, trips, different things like that, so that we're kind of staying connected on a more um, personal level. Since we aren't in an office and we don't get to see, you know, see each other on a day to day basis, it gives us a, a way to connect um, more on a personal and fun level. 
Um, but there is a lot of great ways to use Slack um, to communicate, to stay in touch, to send emails, to prioritize um, different um, items within your Slack as well. And a lot of people are love to use it. I was actually just thinking about um, since we're all out of school right now, it'd be a great way for my son and his classmates to get together and share their their work that they're working on and, you know, show pictures and kind of stay connected when right now in this world, we're not able to be physically connected in the same classroom and things like that. So it's a great way to kind of stay connected and um, stay in communication that's not really invasive to your day. Um, so that's, that would be my take on Slack. I think it's great. I, I know when, um, one of the things that we noticed is that on the leadership team, when we, when we first started uh, PJS, we, we would text each other in group texts and share pictures and funny stories and, and things like that. And so we felt really connected to each other, but the rest of our team wasn't a part of those texts and, the, and getting those texts weren't always convenient. So I love the fact that we've been able to include our team in all of those, uh, those shares that we have with each other. And I think it allows us to uh, have a closer bond because we, we know more than just what we see at work from our team. And in a normal environment, you can share those things. But working remotely, it's a little, it's a little harder to get to the personal side of things. And again, Slack is free. You can ha- start for free. And then they have, you know, depending on the size of your team and the integrations that you want with it, uh, they have paid plans available. But you can start most of these programs that we're giving you for free. You know, they either have a free plan or free trials to let you test it out and make sure that it's going to work for you and your company too. So that's something else that I wanted to mention. Yes. All right. So next on our list is time tracking because some people are still using the punch cards. I know (laughs) when they get into an office. So let's talk about how we handle time tracking with our team. So we, we use time tracker is a part, um, eBility is actually the software name and time tracker is, uh, the part of eBility that tracks the time. And we, we use this to track our time. You can put in the client that it's with and then the type of service that you're offering. You can start and stop a clock so that it actually times the work that you're doing, or you can just punch in, you know, I worked 45 minutes on this. You, they do also have an app that you can download on your phone. So you can clock in and out on your cell phone and you have to enable the location settings on the app on your, to be able to use it on your phones. And it takes a a shot of where you are. Um, I, I guess just to help have some controls there. Now us, we do a lot of work on our cell phones. So just because we're at the grocery store doesn't necessarily mean that we're not working. <laughs> if we stop to answer emails and talk on the phone with somebody on the team or, or whatever, they we may still be having a uh, work time that we're spending. But uh, it works. It integrates really nicely with QuickBooks Online, and it auto syncs uh, automatically into there. And there's a lot of report formats in there that you can set up and pull time for people. You can choose billable or non-billable if we're, if we're billing this to a client or uh, just tracking it via admin time internally. But I I find that it's a very useful and user-friendly program and it takes very little to get up and running and it's not very glitchy either, which is great because some of these systems uh, are glitchy. And it's important to note that also, um, it also syncs in with QuickBooks Online um, and QuickBooks Desktop as well. So it's a great way to get your information over into that system um, quickly and efficiently. You may also want to look into the payroll um, processor that you're using currently because they may have a time and attendance system that will sync right into your process and really make your payroll more efficient. For instance, we have ADP process a lot of our payrolls for our clients, and they offer a time and attendance program as well. That is allows the, their client or their um, employees to enter their time via either a time clock or online, entering their time start time and stop times. Then somebody is able to review that time, and then you're able to just review payroll when it's payroll time. Click a button, and payroll gets processed. So it really 
creates a lot of efficiencies for you and saves a lot of time because it's all syncing together. So if you already have a payroll system, you may want to reach out to them to see what time and attendance processes or um, systems they may also offer to save a lot of time. Perfect. All right. Now we're going to tackle phone calls because if you have all your phone calls going to your brick and mortar place of business, you know, what are you going to do to start answering those when you're trying to work from home? So we do have a solution that can accommodate that. So Kim, you want to talk about Grasshopper a little bit? Sure. So we use Grasshopper here. And and the way that it works is that we have a phone number, a toll-free number that our clients can call. And this is all based in the cloud. So it goes, they call that number and then they get routed without the client knowing to whomever it is on the team that that type of call is set to go to. If, if they choose zero, we have people on the team that get that call. Or we also have extensions. And if they dial that extension, that it will go to that team member. And everyone on our team has downloaded the Grasshopper app on their phone. So if I get a phone call coming in, I've loaded that 800 number into my phone and I can see that it's a, it's a PJS client call or somebody calling that line coming to my phone. And so I know right away that's a work call. And if I want to make phone calls, I just open up the app on my phone and I can make phone calls from the app and it looks like I'm dialing out our toll-free number. Now, I did talk to Grasshopper yesterday because I wanted to find out how it would work if someone who already has an existing phone number and they want to keep that phone number, how that would all work. And what they said is that uh, they would just need to speak to their carrier, whoever it is that they have that phone number through, and they could have that phone number forwarded to whatever number they're assigned with Grasshopper. And then that would automatically go into the system. And then they would need to create extensions for their team. But Grasshopper's billing, they bill on the number of minutes that people are talking. So you can have, on the plan that we have, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is true for everyone, but on the plan that we have, we can have an unlimited number of extensions and we're just billed by the number of minutes that are used um, each month. And then, uh, we, we, there's a threshold that, you know, as long as, as long as we stay under that threshold, we have, you know, a flat fee that we pay every month. But if we go over that, then we may have to pay additional fees. And I don't think we've ever gone over that total, but there are some additional features that you can add on, which are convenient. One of the features that we have is that when a client leaves a voicemail, the system automatically transcribes that into an email. And then Grasshopper does add, have an add-on feature where you can um, have texting as well. And that's just an additional feature through the app. So if you wanted to text people back and forth through the Grasshopper app, you could do that. But that's an additional feature. But it's a really great interim solution that someone could use temporarily if they're closing down for the next couple months and they're moving everyone to remote until they reopen again, they could use Grasshopper during the the interim to get them through that and then switch back to whatever service they need to. Unfortunately, we don't have any other options with uh, to suggest for that. Grasshopper is the one that we use and we love it. <laughs> and it's not broke. It's fairly affordable. So um I haven't heard of any other apps that work quite as well as Grasshopper does. So, the one thing I really love, the one thing I really love about it too, is that it does send you an email. So um, sometimes it transcribes it well, sometimes it doesn't. But it also attaches the recording of that voicemail to your email, so you're at least alerted in your email that there has been a phone call. There's a telephone number attached, and even if they don't leave a message, you get that telephone number. So you're alerted within a system that you're already using. So it's not something separate. You have to go check your, you know, you're immediately notified. So that's a helpful feature as well. And that's automatic too. There isn't a person having to monitor that. So within five minutes of your phone ringing, usually less than that, it it automatically transcribes it, throws it in an email and sends it to you if you have that feature enabled like we do. Perfect. All right. So next, we're going to talk about signatures. What happens when I have a contract and I normally meet my client face-to-face and have them sign it in front of me? How can we get around that in a virtual environment? We use Adobe Sign. And we also use DocuSign for anything that needs to be confidential with social security numbers. We use DocuSign through... Um, our tax software, but the the one that we use for the majority of our contracts is Adobe Sign, and we absolutely 
love it. It's very easy. Even our clients that are a little technologically challenged <laughs> um, can figure out how to use uh, Adobe Sign. And basically, you can send a document to multiple people and you just load boxes where you want signatures or you want their the client name or their title, a date, whatever information you want to have in there. And then each person, it, it starts with person number one that you tell it to go to. That person signs it. As soon as they've done that, it gets routed. And this is all via email to the next person in the chain until everyone that's been added to that document and needs to sign it can sign it. And then, so for example, on our team, our uh, partners are the only ones who sign engagement letters with our clients. But sometimes we have CPAs in charge of those clients that aren't. Um, aren't a partner. And you can also copy those CPAs on the engagement letter. So as soon as everyone in that chain has signed it, an email notification goes out and a copy of the fully executed document. And it is legally binded. Uh, it is legally binding. And there is an audit page uh, at the back of the engagement letter or contract or document, whatever it is that, that you're getting signed, that lists what time it went to each of the people, the email address it went to, and and um, everything that you might need to uphold that document. And it's a fully binding legal document. So if you needed to take that to a court of law, it's going to be just as binding as if somebody signed it with a wet signature in front of you. All right. Perfect. So let's shift gears now to money and paying bills, collecting money, sending out invoices, what happens if I'm at one location to receive the bill, but I need someone else to review it? How are we going to get over challenges like that? The best solution that I think we've found so far is bill.com. I really love using this with a lot of our clients. It really helps to create a lot of efficiencies and remove a lot of the manual process of getting out a checkbook, writing a check, finding somebody to sign it, putting it in an envelope, mailing it out. And we really try to create efficiencies wherever we can. So bill.com has a couple of different um, sides of it. So it has the, mainly it's a bill pay feature. And we use that to pay a lot of different bills for clients or with clients. And there's an inbox that is set up. So you can either download a, a, a bill that you get, you can scan it, you can email it to this bill.com invoice, which is kind of the starting point. You can set up notifications so that the right people are receiving notifications if they're not the ones potentially setting it, you know, sending it in. If you have different people doing each part, you can have notifications created so that you're aware of what's going on. Um, you can, once you get that item in bill.com, you can set it up, you can create it and assign it to the correct vendor, which is typically already set up in your system. So the address pre-populates um, a lot of that information populates. You can then classify it to um, align with your chart of accounts and your accounting system as well. Once you get that all set up, you can send it to an approver who may not be, you know, the person who makes all the decisions on how to code it properly to accounting, but they're the person who has to, you know, review the bill, make sure the fees and the charges are accurate, and then they can go ahead and approve that bill. Um, all of this is done virtually and, you know, through systematic notifications and emails that you can go ahead. Once you get an email, you can go into the system, you can approve that bill, it goes on to the next person who's probably going to pay the bill. So obviously, we have different people doing all of these. And that's, you know, good internal controls to have that segregation of duties. And so bill.com allows you to separate all of those functions. And then whoever's paying that bill, um, you know, your account gets connected to your bank account. So it will automatically withdraw from your account. It can either send to the vendor a check in the mail, similar like you might do sit down and write a check, they'll send that check out for you. Or you can set it up if it's a vendor that's going to get a payment regularly, you can set them up for a more of a direct deposit so that they'll get that money within a couple of days straight into their bank account. So it's a great way to pay vendors. It's a great way to, you know, remove a lot of the manual steps of the bill pay process or check writing process. So in an, in this instance, if you're now, you know, you have an office manager in a different location than, you know, somebody who needs to approve it and somebody needs to pay it, it's a great system to be able to set all that up. It is a very easy system to set up and get going. So highly recommend it on the bill pay side. Kim, do you have anything to add? 
before yeah, I Yeah, I'll talk it. about the collection side of it. I, I work oh, yeah. as a credit manager in collections um, at, at two different properties and probably seven or eight years total that I did that. And I am so in love with the receivables side of bill.com. So we have regular bills for a lot of our clients that are billed every single month. And I can set up a recurring invoice to go to our clients. So once I've set that up, that bill is automatically created by the system. And we made the decision here. We only accept uh, payment by a, a banking transfer, an ACH uh, payment. We don't accept credit cards for our, our maintenance here. So the account is it's attached to our client's bank account. They know the flat fee that's getting billed to them every month and the system automatically creates the bill. If for some reason that auto pay is turned off at, at five days old, a notice goes to the client that says, hey, heads up, this balance is still due. And then a second notice at 10 days goes to the client uh, that lets them know we're putting their account on hold or what, whatever message that we want to send to them. And the number of collection calls that I have to do every month is so small. I might have to do one collection call in a month, maybe two. So it, it's very efficient, but it also, you don't have to have the hard paper in front of you. You don't have to print it out and mail it. You don't have to have someone right next to the postage machine. We do everything via email. The, the invoices are automatically emailed to the clients. There's no there's no one person or no one inbox that has to be present to make all of that happen. Everything can be done virtually. And then we should also mention that Bill.com does have banking level encryption. So they have the same level of encryptions in their system that you would find if you're going to the Bank of America website or Wells Fargo website and trying to do anything with those sites online. So it's very secure. Okay, there are definitely fees associated with Bill.com. Um, but we found that they are very reasonable for the services that they're providing for us. So, And I should mention, too, we have chosen as a business to not accept credit cards as payment, but that you can absolutely do that if you choose to do that. Uh, the only part of this that um, isn't super quick is you, you have to make sure if, if you want credit cards, you have to find some kind of a processor that will... Um, allow you to accept credit cards for payment if you don't already have something set up. If you do, then you would just work with that processor to get that set up uh, with bill.com. But all of the software programs that we've mentioned so far can can be up and running within a matter of hours. You can set all of them up with, within a day. And uh, some of them may need to, like bill.com would need to send a, a verification email and a verification transaction. So it may take a day or so for you to actually be able to process payments or accept payments from a client. But that turnaround time is, is fairly quick as well. And that part of that turnaround time of a couple business days is true for any new clients that you set up in the system as you add them throughout, throughout your time. Yeah, those are great points. Because And why we kind of preface this episode with, hey, warning, <laughs> you might stick with this once you get all these things in place it's kind of nice kinda nice yeah <laughs> so. well the efficiencies are crazy i can't even believe i'm so that's why i'm so in love with the ar side of things i had a team of four people that was managing i mean the receivables were definitely more um it, it was a much larger organization that i worked for but the amount mm -hmm. of manual steps involved in what we used to do we could have cut out 75 percent of that by using bill.com. We really could have. Yeah. Well, let's cover secure document sharing um, real quick because we do have one solution that we want to talk about for ways that you can share, you know, if you do have physical documents, what's the best and most secure way to do that? So uh, you do have documents sometimes that you don't want to have emailed uh, just because there's sensitive information in there. There are cybersecurity laws involved in you know, social security numbers or someone's bank account number or addresses. So documents that contain that type of information, you have to have some kind of a secure environment to exchange that information. And if you have people faxing that information to a location or maybe walking in the paperwork or mailing it in, uh, you're, and you're not going to be at that location to receive that, there, you need to have another way to receive those documents. So the fastest way to get up and running, and, and what we used to use was the, the Google Suite. 
and we would use Google Drive. We would create folders in Google Drive and allow our team and, and that client, you can add an email address in there. And if someone logs in into that email account, they can access that, that email folder. And that's how we used to share secure documents. We, we have since, um, we use uh, a secure client portal through Thomson Reuters that is a practice management part of a practice management system that is unique to the accounting world, which wouldn't necessarily be appropriate to everyone that's listening here. But Google Drive, you could have up and running in less than a day. You could get that done. And that would just, you know, getting your team set up on that. uh, And that could be something that you could use. And it's fairly affordable too. I believe it's only, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie Staley, what, like $12 a person, $13 a person per month? Right Um, now it's dollars i'm sure it changes fairly mm-hmm. regularly um, right it's it's a reasonable cost for what they're providing i definitely agree with that right it, it's, it's a it's a very reasonable cost and i have heard there are other platforms that you can um, use for document sharing i've heard of um, huddle.com and sharefile.com or a couple that i've heard mentioned but i've never worked on those so I, I don't have any uh, personal recommendations for those, and I don't know the pricing involved. But there are other systems out there as well that that perform that same task. But you likely do need to have a way to share those documents. So those are the big software topics that we wanted to cover. You know, the the things that you need to keep your business running in a time of switching everything over. You know, how do I forward my phone calls? How do I keep my team talking? How do we continue meetings? But there's another side to that. And we also wanted to address some of the processes that you can put into place for not only yourself, but your team and potentially your family that's now home with you um, (laughs) during these next couple of months. So let's shift a little bit and talk about some of the processes that we have found helpful in managing ourselves and our team in this remote environment. So Jamie, do you want to start it off? Sure. I think the biggest and the most important thing you need to, to do as one of your first things is create a routine for yourself, um, for yourself and potentially for your family, just because there's going to be so much time and we don't really know the extent of it. And, and just working from home regularly, I try to create a routine for myself because it helps get you in, in kind of a groove. You know, Are you going to live to it exactly every day? No, but you at least have a starting point for what you're going to be doing. So I try to create a start time or kind of a timing where I'm going to start in the morning. Maybe I'm going to work from 9 to 11 or 1130. I'm going to take a break and get some lunch. I might work out, um, take a walk, um, come back and work from, you know, 1 to 3. When my kids get home, then I'm going to take another break. So whatever works for you. Everybody has a different type of schedule and what they need. And it's going to take you a little bit of time to kind of get to a place where it feels right. So it's real important to just kind of create that routine and try to figure out the best um, process for yourself. I, one thing that I really like to do is weekly meetings. Um, we do a weekly leadership call. So it really sets the tone for the whole week. We usually do it on a Monday. And um, we always get together, talk about issues that are coming up, resolve issues. It's a really good point. Sometimes there's not a lot going on. We have a short meeting. It's great but we're kind of regrouping at the beginning of the week. Um, I also schedule meetings with folks that I'm working on different clients with or different projects. We usually try to touch base at least once a week to make sure I know that things are on time. What are the status updates, things like that. Um, And again, one of the things that you can really struggle with working from home is separating that family time from work time. So it's real easy to just feel like you have to work the whole time because you're home and it's available and the computer's right in the other room. And I would have a, this struggle a lot where I'd come in and I'd sit down and answer an email and like a half an hour, 45 minutes later while I'm not working, <laughs> you know, I've just sucked, you know, a whole bunch of time and now dinner's late. My kids are crabby <laughs> and like the whole like evening starts to unravel and I'm like, ah, so just don't, you know, when you create those, you know, boundaries, try to respect them for yourself because it's easy to just get sucked in. Oh, I can just get this one thing done in five minutes. And that just takes longer than you think. So I really try to, when my kids come home, I usually walk away from my computer. I put my phone down. Um, I don't get notifications from my phone that it's buzzing, that people are reaching out to me. And I pick that up when I have some time and when it is quiet after dinner for a little bit. So I think it's really important to kind of respect your boundaries when you create them um, and just have that time 
set and it's going to be a challenge. No doubt. Um, these times are challenging. We've almost never had all four of my family here at home with nothing to do for such a long period of time, even if it's only three weeks at this point. Um, so it's just going to be a challenge and today has been rough and hopefully each day gets a little better. We get more into, you know, how we're going to manage that. The kids get used to that and we all kind of find our, our rhythm. One of the things that I think it's also important is to make sure that you're setting expectations with with all the players involved. So for our regular operations for PJS, we make sure when we are bringing new clients on board that they know what our response time is going to be. They know that our our team works from home, that they have families, that you know, our, our response time might be 24 hours for someone. And, and we're setting that expectation ahead of time with our clients. We will still meet deadlines. We will, you know, we'll, we'll do what we say we're going to do. We're still professional, but the timing involved may not be immediate like what you're used to. And I think especially in this time right now, we need to make sure that if we have to communicate with our clients to give our team a little bit more grace, because we're all at home with our families right now, that you set that expectation with your clients, uh, that they're still important. We know, you know, we're still here for you, but our response time might be a little slower because our team is working from home. And then we also, for me, my husband is a teacher and I have two kids and they are all off on vacation at the same time. So this is a, a place where I am in a regular basis <laughs> and I just have to set expectations with my family and let them know I am not on vacation. I am still working right now. Um, I'm lucky enough that I have an office that I can walk into and close the door, but sometimes they don't respect the closed door. So when I have meetings with people, I, I actually have fairy lights that go around my office door and I have my on air. <laughs> I turn my fairy lights on. They're on right now. And that lets them know that I am on the phone. I am in a meeting. You need to be quiet. You need to stay out of my office and leave me alone right now. And that helps a little bit. And then um, I try to work with my office door open. If they need something, they can come in and talk to me the rest of the time if it's not urgent. Um, but they also know that this is how we we pay the bills and you need to respect the fact that I'm I'm sitting here. And, and sometimes you just explain it to them like, you know, I'm working on a really complicated math homework right now and you can't you can't interrupt me. You need to leave me alone for a little bit because I need to use my brain right now. So when I try to explain that to my kids in a way that they can understand, uh, they're they're a lot more respectful and, and they get it. And sometimes you have to, uh, when you're in the middle of a podcast, step away for a second and say that now is not an appropriate time to be shredding paper with a paper shredder just outside my office door. Uh, you know, I'm in a call and, and that just happens sometimes too, that uh, they just have to be reminded to uh, respect the, the boundaries and the expectations that were set this morning. We need to follow those, remember? Um, so you need to give yourself, your family, your clients and ask from your clients uh, a little bit more grace during this time because uh, it's challenging for us to all get the same amount of tasks done when our life is not what it was yesterday. Yeah. And to piggyback off those, Kim, it's also important for your team, your employees to set expectations for them. So if you do roll out some of these new great you know, software programs, they're going to be potentially overwhelmed or not sure how to use it or, you know, you know, need additional help with using it. So make sure you set expectations with them as well. So, you know, if you do roll out Trello, and that's your main source of how you're going to communicate, make sure everybody is aware of that. Or if it's not just say, hey, this is a tool to help you out. Um, but our main, you know, source of communication is still email. So it's just really important to lay out those expectations, because that way, everybody is clear. So again, communication, which ends up being so important in all aspects, of a work environment, whether it's virtual or in person, you know, you need to do, you know, virtually, it's almost more difficult to communicate well, and you, you can't over communicate, you need to make sure everybody's on the same page if questions, you know, if, the, if your employees, if your team has questions that they feel comfortable to ask you that you make sure that everyone is on the same page, and that the communication lines stay open. 
Um, and I want to add something uh, to Jamie. You know, we just we have a new team member, so this is kind of fresh in my mind. And the way that our communication operates operates at PJS is a little different than most places because the majority of our team works no more than thirty hours a week. Sometimes they work twenty hours a week, and the twenty hours a week that Jamie is working may not be the 20 hours a week that someone else on the team. Now I'm laughing a little bit because Jamie works more than 20 hours a week, but um, you know, somebody else that Megan, you know, the 20 hours a week that Megan works uh, and those, those hours may not overlap with each other. So when we have new team members come on board, we let them know, you know, the best way to communicate on our team is through email. And then that way, if you pick up the phone and just call someone on the team, they may be at the grocery store with their kids or they may be right in the middle of something at home. Or if you're texting them and I'm, you know, with my kids at the doctor's office and you're texting me, I have to stop what I'm doing. I have to send myself an email and you're basically forcing me to work when I'm not really working. Um, And I know a virtual environment with normal set hours, you might have to be a little more flexible with the hours that people are are working and be sensitive to the fact that they may have a house full of people and they may have to work later in the day or get up earlier in the morning and have different hours than they normally do to make this work and to be able to get things done and work at a time when their family is going to leave them alone and give them a little bit of uninterrupted time to do that complicated spreadsheet that they have to do or to process payroll for for somebody and make sure that they're not making any mistakes. Um, So communication and how you communicate, you might have to be flexible there. And if we have to have a meeting for sure with someone, if it's a longer conversation, then we we may send a text that says, hey, please check your email when you get a chance. And and that way they know that you've sent them an email that they need to take a look at. And, and in that e- email, I may ask to have a meeting to discuss this in more detail. And then we'll set up a time that's convenient for both of us to, to have that, that phone call. Those are all great points. You know, managing expectations over communication is key. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just throw in my two cents since I have two younger ones at home. I really try to leverage my time that they're napping or get up early before they wake up. And those are like my focused power hours. Like I'm going to get the most productivity that I can out of this next hour or two. Um, So if you have some younger kids that maybe don't understand the, hey, I need an hour of quiet time. <laughs> that may be an, a way that you can maybe, you know, switch up your schedule and wake up early to get the work that you need to done so that, you know, when you got a two and four year old yelling in the next room, you're not trying to record a podcast. <laughs> I can hear them. <laughs> I know. Did you hear the paper shredder on my end? <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I think you muted in time. So, oh my you're goodness. Good. <laughs> the joys of working from home yes (laughs) yeah well and I think that brings us to our last point of just giving yourself a break right everyone's kind of their lives have been uprooted in one way or another right now so life in general isn't perfect but especially with everything going on right now we just we need to give ourselves a break right we need to give ourselves a break we need to give our team a break and just make sure that you're taking time out to, you know, go listen to a song. If you feel like you're just getting stressed out, stop listening to the, the news for the rest of the day. You know, it's just, I know it's easy to get sucked into the chaos of what's going on. So just trying to step back, keep things in perspective and know that, you know. This too shall pass. <laughs> exactly. This so. too shall pass. Yes, we are instituting a movie night since nobody has to get up early in the morning and we like to watch movies So every night, not every night, but most nights we're having one of the kids or one of us pick a movie. We're all taking turns because we get the arguments of, no, I don't want to watch this and I don't want to watch that. So now we're like, this person chooses and we're going to all watch the movie. And then tomorrow night you can choose. So we've been, we're watching movies. So we watched A League of Their Own. The other night was my option. <laughs> Since my son. I love that movie. So um, it was a little raunchier than we thought. but <laughs> It is pretty raunchy, yes. Right. I was like, ooh. And I'm like, the the boys probably watching. enjoyed oh, that. <laughs> it was 15, 13. So, and they're, you know, so they're, they're uh, nine and 11. They're close-ish. So we allow them to watch those movies with us. But I was like, ooh, there's a few things probably hopefully going over your head. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're having we're trying to have a little bit of fun and 
trying to be like, hey, it is kind of, you know, it's a tough time. We're making you do all this work during the day and you've got to be quiet and do this. But hey, let's watch a movie and have some fun at night and get some popcorn and um, trying to add some levity to the <laughs> difficult times. I have decided um, to let my kids paint murals. My, my girls are both artists and they're each going to paint a mural on the wall in their bedroom. So that's a, a project that they're going to do because we've got we're, we've got at least three weeks of no school for them and potentially through August and it's now March is what we're hearing now that, that they may cancel the schools. So that's a really long time for us to uh, be stuck in our house. So yes. I'm working on some creative projects to keep them busy. And, and well, I'm really excited about that. Seeing progress on Slack. Yes. So we can share and, and, and see that. So that'd be awesome. Apparently I'm hearing that one of them is going to be the logo for her favorite restaurant uh panda express i couldn't remember the name oh, of it. a panda express logo like why <laughs> why would we paint that on our wall you well, know, I know it's, tall. it's the hard time of when you let them make decisions and you're like wait exactly. let you make decisions okay so i get to be looking at that from now on okay but you know it is what it is it'll keep them busy and we'll, yep. we'll stay out of each other's hair a little bit you can always paint over it someday in the future Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> or she'll probably want to at some at some point mm -hmm. well I think that's a great idea and like Jamie said I can't wait to see the progress as as the girls complete it so um is there anything else that either of you have that you'd like to add before we wrap up this episode that was pretty crazy but I think it's all good stuff it, it was longer than we originally intended but uh, you can't you can't have your team working virtually for the first time in a house that's full of family members and expect to get the same amount of productivity in the same amount of time from them. You just can't. You need to loosen up your expectations for your team and you need to make sure that that your clients are aware of that as well and and let your team know that you're rooting for them and you know they can do it and you may decide to give your team some grace, but you need to let your team know that you're giving them some grace too, so that they're not extremely stressed out about the fact that they can't make all of this work the same way that they could in a normal brick and mortar work environment, because there's going to be some transition time. They may eventually get to the point where it will work seamlessly for us. We've been doing it for a while. Our families are kind of all trained. We, we know how this works. Uh, but the, it does take some transition for someone who has never worked virtually to start working virtually. So you need to make sure that you give them some grace and you let them know that you're going to give them some grace. Well, thank you so much for joining us again for today's podcast episode. I know we broke a little bit from our traditional topics here, but we really thought that this is information that people could use, business owners, you know, pretty much anyone that's trying to work from home, you know, we hope you can take the tips that we have here. And as you hear my four-year-old singing in the background, um, you know, we're all kind of going with the flow as all of this rolls out. And uh, we you know, encourage you to share this with anyone that could find this useful. And uh, yeah, just keep that momentum going and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.